Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. High crotch, bring it back, single leg swing. Let me teach you how to wrestle. Okay. Let me teach you how to wrestle. And welcome back to Wrestling Mindset. Today we are here with the greatest pinner of all time and one of the greatest wrestling minds to ever exist. Great Wade Chalice. Wade, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share what I've learned, you know, during my career and, and over the years in the sport. And maybe we'll have some fun and tell some jokes and maybe upset some people too. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. It's a win if we could do all of them, right? Oh, good, good stuff. So I've been watching hours and hours of, um, you know, a lot of your, your technique videos, your legal pain, as well as just different clinics that I could find on YouTube. And I just really wanted to pick your brain about, you know, just approaching the sport of wrestling. You know, I, I see on Instagram pops up a lot, scientific wrestling. And of course, the first step in the scientific uh, method is, is having a hypothesis. So a philosophy. So science begins with philosophy. So it seems like that's a good place to start the sport of wrestling rather than just do, do, do think about what we're doing, be a little more scientific and philosophical about it. Okay. So what would you say? What would be just as a wrestler starts the sport, how should a coach teach that the wrestler should be conceptualizing wrestling? What's it all about? How do I get there? Rephrase that. That that, that was a real broad, you know, (laughs) let's narrow that down a little bit. Very broad. When a kid starts wrestling, what's okay. the what's the first things they should be thinking about? A uh, smile. smile. A smile. Fathers, coaches, pay attention. You want him to win the nationals. You think he's at Penn State wrestling room right away, and you're beating a lot of him. And then you run to practice, and then you run home, and. Uh, and he can see on your face, children understand when dad is upset, not happy, or mother, and dad can say, was a good practice today. But his look on his face is saying something completely different. He knows 
this boy knows, or the girl, that he just or she just disappointed dad somewhere along the line. And it would be easier to say, I don't like to support dad and, and slowly phase himself out than to face dad's disappointment. Dad, you have no idea how much you can hurt or please your children by the look on your face. There's the message that you say, and then there's what's called a meta, meta message. And that's what you read in the person's face. And the message may be one thing, and the kid knows you're lying, Dad, because your face says something completely different. And they don't like disappointing mom or dad. And if they can get out of it, they're going to. We lose, if there's a, if there's grass in someone's backyard, there's always two kids wrestling over top of the grass. Every kid in every neighborhood wrestles. I think every child male from years ago, not so much female today, but it's, we're getting there. The, you know, wrestle like a girl is doing a wonderful job with what we're, where we're going with the ladies. I'm so excited about the women's program. But on the male side from, you know, five years ago, 20 years ago, you know, every every male wrestled at one time or another in the backyard. It may not have been an organized practice, you know, and then they did, you know, if they spent more time on the top than they did underneath somebody, then they thought, well, maybe you should try that in a, a sport in, college, or in high school, middle school, elementary. Um, and if they didn't do so well, they don't, don't try out. But I think everyone's, everyone's tried it. It's like soccer. Everyone's tried kicking, playing kickball in the, in the you know, in, in the park, in the city park. So everyone's kind of played soccer a little bit. They figured out whether they're any good at it or not. So once you get a young man who wants to come out or the dad wrestled at one time, so his kid automatically has to wrestle. I mean, you know, you know, I told my three boys, I have two, two adopted boys and one came the old fashioned way. Um, you know, now you guys don't have to wrestle because I did, you know, however, if you want to eat my food and live under my roof, but there's no pressure. <laughs> You're wrestling whether you like it or not. No. Uh, so the answer to the question is, dad, pay attention here. When you are done with practice every night, especially when they're young, especially when you're young, you do not run home, rush home. You stop at the 7-Eleven on the way home at the Dairy Queen and you buy them a slushy or an ice cream cone and you sit in the car and you just you show each other the, the red tongue, you know, from the Slurpee, you know, and you laugh at each other and you don't talk about the wrestling. You learn so much about your kid during that half hour of a Slurpee sitting in a car in the parking lot of 7-Eleven. So it, there was some there was a cherry on top of the burned hamburger. It was the wrestling practice, you know, because even if they did good or did bad, you don't talk about it. But dad, you can't keep your mouth shut. I know you get there in the car and you want to talk about wrestling. You're an idiot. Stop. Make it a fun experience. I did that for my three boys. And they, they told me later in life, the only reason we went to practice is to get the Slurpee, you know, or the ice cream cone on the way home. Uh, you have to make it enjoyable. And in wrestling, what we do at the early ages, you know, and next thing you know, coach comes up, your kid has had three nights of practice, three or two or six or whatever, something early in his career. Hey, we're going to a tournament this weekend in uh, Harrisburg. Uh, you know, uh, you know, hey, we should have him, he should come along with us. You think he's ready? Oh, yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, you know, it's experience. 
Well, okay. Dad, you have to learn to say no and no. I mean, he has no business going to a tournament after one, two, three weeks or three months of practice. All he's going to do is he's going to learn how he's going to learn how to become humble real quick and realize this sport ain't for me. It's not fun because, you know, dad might say, you really tried. I'm really proud of you. But the face says I'm disappointed after the loss. You can they can read your face and they do not like this disappointing their parents. I'm 72. You know, my mother's 94. I still don't like to disappoint her. You know, and you certainly don't when you're six or seven or eight. No kid should go to a wrestling tournament until he has at least two years of experience under his belt. Now, I said two years. Don't hold me to two years in one day or well, he's one week away. But the general idea, he's got to be ready to go. You know, it should be fun. And then when he has enough skill set, I mean, you know, most kids, and when they're first early on, they go to a tournament, they don't even know where to put their hands or what line, you know, should I step on this red lane or the green taped line? You know, where do I put my hands down? How do I, where do, oh, I got caution because I didn't know to put the elbow, a hand on the elbow in referee's position. And you're trying to, you expect them to have success? All you're doing is teach them how to fail. And then after four or five, eight failures, uh, um, I, dad, I want to I want to focus on my academics because he knows that's big with mother, you know. So dad can't argue with that lineup, you know. I want to focus on my academics. I'm not sure on it. So how's the dad supposed to say no? Your academics are going to wrestle. No, you know. So he finds a way to get out of it and he quits. I can't imagine how many Olympic champions, NCAA champions, state champions we ran out of the wrestling room in the first year of their career. That could have been just outstanding scholarship driven free college education because dad's an idiot for the first year you know you and when you're in stands mom and dad your mouth shut you don't have to get down that side and <laughs> i know you're in you're taught you're tearing, getting torn up inside but you're not supposed to be doing that you've got to sit up there and, and the mother just said hey good job appreciate you know good effort Great. You know, then go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> you got to give them a, a carrot somewhere along the line. Uh, parent, fathers are tremendously hurtful across the board. I mean, you know, I was bad, you know, because I didn't know any better. There was no way telling me what to do when I was, you know, 28, you know, with a child, you know, taking the wrestling practice. You know, I, I knew more than most, but it's, it's still, and they, all three of the boys did really, really well. And wrestling, uh, uh, and they, you know, they, you know, they're 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 quality people today in life, in work, after at work ethic, moral standards. I think because of what they learned in the sport of wrestling, everyone knows how great wrestling is if you're in the sport. But unfortunately, too many people don't have a clue what wrestling is, other than it's two barbarians rolling around, toothless mouth breathers, knuckle draggers. You know, uh, you know, the other side of the track type kids, you know, because we we do have quite a few kids on the other side of the tracks who we've actually saved their lives, opportunities that they would never have had. It is a sport for all people. I mean, we've had, you know, people who's, you know, the son of a CEO of some corporation doing very well, too, um, as well as the other side of the tracks.
it's a wonderful, wonderful sport, but we have to protect our athletes, protect our children. And parents want to do that. They say they want to do that, but what they're saying and what they're doing are two completely different things. And that's very uh, disheartening to watch. And I, I, I go to tournaments, I go, dad, sit down, shut up, uh, go up in the stands. You know, I, I, you know, I, I know what you want. That's my son. I know. But if you got, if you, if I could videotape you and see what you're, you know, this is what your son's seeing. Um, you're probably better off not going. And then when they go to tournaments, when they're too young in that first two years, they get their waxed, you know, the first match and then the consolation round. And they're done wrestling in the first hour of a 12 hour tournament. So for the next 11 hours, they get to sit in a 14,000 square foot beige concrete building and do nothing except watch their teammates wrestle. Wow. Hey, Dad, next week, can we go do this again? That was so much fun. Now, Dad says, you're going. You know, and kid goes, how do I, how do I get out of this? I got to get Dad off my, off my back here. And they quit. Uh, we lose so many, so many children that we could help. And uh, it's sad, and, and I don't know how to reach them. You know, obviously, a podcast like this, will help reach some. Um, and I think I'm, what I'm doing is I'm over talking about uh, this subject. I, maybe we can, or okay. we can, or we could be here for three hours, but I think you probably want to move on to at least two other questions you had. No, and I, I think that's really important because to te to start a kid up with success, well, first of all, it's like they don't have to wrestle. There's no, it's not a commandment that thou shalt wrestle. It would, it's nice to wrestle. We know all the values and the, and the character that we develop. But it's like you don't have to do it, so you better look at it from that point of view. It's optional. And if you want the kid to, to be good and to gain the life lessons, hey, let's set them up with the right attitude from the beginning and not make it all about wrestling. It starts with the parents. Right? Yeah. It makes, makes a lot of sense. And now once they do take the mat, what should – because a lot of – like we were talking about before, a lot of times it's the parents who's the first coach. Right? Maybe they Maybe they wrestled. Maybe they didn't wrestle. But now they're – in front of the, the kid and other people, how should they be, what should they tell the kid in the beginning? How should they look at the sport of wrestling, maybe even before making contact with another person? Well, that's more philosophical answers here. Um, maybe I, I'll go into, dad, I'm assuming he wrestled because a lot of times you know, that's how they, Johnny ends up in the sport. Uh, dad was good with a single leg, a switch, and a half Nelson made that up. And that's what he's going to teach his kid. And make on the face of it makes sense. However, let me let me go to a, a different level. Um, if you are five foot six and you're in the NBA, you're not the center. And I can take you and I can put you in a weight room and I could train you to get stronger and stronger. And no matter what I do, no matter how strong you are, what kind of vertical leap you have, you're not going to be the center in the NBA. If you are 320 pounds, you're not the free safety in the football team. Well, that falls under the. Um, so there are certain skill sets designed for certain sports or positions within a sport. Nose guard for the 320, absolutely. Shooting 
uh, uh, you know, a, a, a shooting guard, absolutely at five six, not the center. So there are certain techniques in wrestling that are designed for different body types. You know, if you are tall in your weight class, every time you, well, what's tall? Well, when you weigh in and you see the other eight guys in your weight class and they're weighing in next to you, are you tall or are you short? Are you medium? And that, that'll tell you whether you're tall or short in your weight class. Now in 10 years, you may grow out of it. You may be short. I don't know, but right now you're tall. There are three things a tall wrestler is really good at. He has more reach than his opponent. Longer arms, you know, like in boxing, that's important. You know, you, you know, the reach for striking. You have more flexibility than the short guy. And you have more leverage. Reach, flexibility, leverage. Those three things are your skill sets when you're tall in your weight class. If you are short, you have three skill sets that the tall guy doesn't have. You are always stronger than your opponent. You are always faster than your opponent. And you're also always more powerful, which is a combination of speed and strength. So you have power, strength, and speed that the tall guy does not have. Now, those particular skills have certain techniques that really work well for the short guy or the tall guy. And if dad is short and you happen to get your mother's height, dad's teaching you short shit, the stuff that he did well because he was short. Well, the tall guy can't do that. So he's automatically pretending, oh, I know a lot about wrestling. I'm going to coach my son. Well, you're, you're, if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, you're teaching the wrong thing. You're teaching the five foot six guy to be the center of the basketball team. Uh, you're teaching them to fail right off the right off right out of the get go, right out of the gate. So, if you are short and powerful, you have you attack straight in, double leg, high crotch, short guys. A lot of success with that. Tall guys, if you teach them a double leg or high crotch, they will struggle until they retire and never get a high crotch or a double leg because of their length. They don't have the power. They don't have the speed or the strength to pull the legs in and knock a guy over with a double leg. You're teaching your kid how to lose. You know, it doesn't work that way. Okay. Short guy. He only has that far to go for a stand-up. He's explosive, power, speed. And he only has that far to go to stand up because he's short. Stand-ups are wonderful for short guys. Tall guys, it looks like a brand, uh, you look like a newborn fawn trying to stand up. <laughs> and then you get chopped back down, you try to get up and you're down again, and you can't get up. Uh, top, uh, chop tight waist. I mean, basic 101 wrestling. Chop the arm, tight waist. Well, if you're powerful and strong, that works. If you're tall and have skinny arms, you could be chopping on that guy's arm all day and you can't get it out from underneath him. So if I'm teaching you a chop tight waist as a coach, I'm teaching you how to lose because you'll never chop anybody and ride anybody with those arms. Sorry, but we can teach you other things. You can ride legs when you're tall and lean. You've got a great amount of reach 
cross, you could sting the shit out of them with a cross face because you could reach the whole way across and get that far arm with the little short squatty arms can't reach over there and get that. Uh, half Nelson, you can't, you can put a half Nelson on when you're tall, but turning the guy over is a bitch with a, when you're skinny. Short guy has a good, good half Nelson. Tall guys cradle the hell out of you because they can reach the whole way around and get their hands locked because they have, you know, a six foot diameter circle with their arms. So there are certain techniques that really work depending upon your, your body type. And what coaches have a tendency to do in the wrestling room, we're teaching everybody the same thing. All right, guys, we're doing double legs. Ready? And they do a double leg, double leg, double leg. All right, stand-ups. Okay, and so on. Well, if 42% of your wrestling room is tall and 58 is short, it could be 70-30, it could be 50-50, you know, just whatever it happens to be. If it's 50-50, you're teaching half your kids how to lose. No matter what you're teaching. Because you're going to teach something that half of them can't do. Because they're tall versus short. What you should do, high school, college, I don't care what wrestling room you're in, is you divide your team short and tall. Okay? Whatever percentage it happens to be, it doesn't matter. You teach the tall kids tall stuff. The short kids, short stuff, and then say, okay, we're going to do uh, short guys, high crotch, tall guys, swing single. If you're tall, you never go in to the tree. Your opponent being the tree, knock him over. You have to go around the tree, never through the tree. Short guys go through the tree. They don't have the time to go around. They can't get their arms the whole way around the leg on a swing single. Tall guys do swing singles. They get out from underneath the tree because the tree's going to fall on them and underhooks and, you know, encounter. So you learn to do swing singles or maybe a low. Now, low, you can go straight in with long arms with a John Smith low single. You can drop it because you have the reach. You can reach out and get that ankle. Short guys, you know, you can buy the John Smith tape and memorize it. And if you're short, you ain't ever going to get it because your arms are too short in relation to your opponent's. So anyhow, you blow the whistle and you have these 42% of the team doing the swing singles and this 58% of the team doing, you know, straight in high crotches, whatever. Okay, bottom, top guy, chop tight waist, short guys, top tight waist, tall, tall guys, spiral ride. Okay, ready? Then you drill them and they're doing two different things. You don't have the whole team doing everything that you're showing because they can't do it. It's like, you know, teaching everybody in the football team how to be a, white, or a, a, a free safety. The entire line's wasting their time back there. You know, they're, they're never going to be on the starting lineup in a free safety when they're over 250 pounds. Now, we see that, and you, everybody goes, well, that makes a lot of sense in basketball and in football. Yeah, well, I'll take that same philosophy and move it over to wrestling. It's the same thing. So parents, a lot of times, they don't know what, they see that they, they buy John Smith's or Wade Chalice's or, or Harry Colat. I think Colat has one of the best, best series out there. I mean, technically, technically I, you know, there are some really good ones out there. Uh, I think uh, Gene Mills, if you want to learn half Nelson's and pinning Mills is really, really good tapes. Uh, Colat has, a, he's a, he's a short guy in his weight class. So if you're short, I'd live with Kerry Colat tapes and he's, he's got a full, I mean, 
top bottom neutral pinning. Uh, he's technically he's on top of his game. Uh, pinning, you know, you just buy Wade's tapes. I mean, you know, because um, I I will teach you tall and short. I will say now this doesn't work really well with tall guys, but this will work for short. So I'll I'll delineate during my videos. Um, I I. Uh, you know, and John Smith, if you're tall, if you have a good reach, uh, I live with some of John Smith tapes. If you're short, don't bother buying John's tapes. Because what John does is what I do is what Cola does and what Mills does with, you know, every, you know, Askren. Askren has some pretty good pin stuff out there, but basically that's just rehashed Wade stuff. You know, and he's very, very good at it. And he's good. He's an instructor. And he, as an athlete, you know, he was all the pinner. But, you know, if you watch my tapes, you know, you can watch Askren's tape and you're seeing pretty much the same thing. I think I might have a little broader reach than he does, but uh, whatever. Um, so you have to know what your kid is capable of doing uh, and what he likes to do. And uh, then you sell it as a parent, you know, that, boy, you're really good at this. I don't know. Wow. I, you know, sell it to the kid. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've been... I don't know if I if I'm on the same track no, as your great. question earlier. Great. great, keep it going. No, it's it's right on. Well, when you want to pick up a girl, guys, you know you you always give them uh, two options. See, I'm I'm breaking off here, and everybody's going, "What's he talking about?" Now, when you're when you're trying to get a date, guys, you know if you're watching this, um, girls always like two options. Uh, you know, hey, would you like to go out on a date with me tonight? You gave her two options: yes or no. Okay. If she says yes, you win. If she says no, you lose. So don't be stupid. Give her two options. Hey, I got uh, I got tickets to a Britney Spears concert tonight. Or, you know, would you like to see the new Avatar movie? It just came out, the Disney new Avatar movie. So should I pick you up at 7 or 7.30 better? Right. I gave her two choices. Movies or play or concert. 7 or 7.30. I don't care. Pick any one of the four. I win. You know, so... Yes. No, that's it. No, hey, it's like I remember my, my problem is I never understood why people gave the option no, right? You write, you pass a note in class. Will you go out with me? Yes or no? I put down, yes, I will go out with you. Yes, I'd love to go out with you. Now, that didn't stop the girl from making a third box. No, but I wasn't going to put the box there if I'm writing the letter. boy. So people <laughs> are going to watch this and go, what the hell are these two guys talking about? Or the wrestlers might go, if I got anything out of the last hour, the shallows and Gene, we're talking about is how to get a date. Okay, so all right, let's get back to wrestling. Uh, you're right. I'm I'm very creative, and I could have been probably a much better wrestler than I was, and that and that was pretty good because no one could coach me. When I, when you're the first one doing it, no one knew. They just called it garbage wrestling. Uh, that, uh, it never works. That's garbage. And I went. No, it's not, but okay, you know. And then I started beating pretty good kids with garbage wrestling, and then I went, well, he's kind of funky. Somehow I got cleaned up from garbage to funky. And I said, oh, okay. And a couple of years later, someone dropped the Y from funky, and it just became funk. And today it's called funk. But it, it, that's misnomer, too. It's good, solid wrestling. Let me tell you a story. Not that I haven't told any stories here. Now, this is not true, but it you'll get the point here. Well, back in 1842 in New England, there was this football coach. 
And the athletic director said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a wrestling program. Would you like to be the wrestling coach? And the football coach goes, well, I don't know anything about wrestling. I don't I'll give you $500 for the season. Yeah, your wife could use a new washer and dryer. You know, maybe, uh, well, yeah, I probably could use $500. Yeah, okay, I'll be a wrestling coach. So, oh, and then AD said, well, you know, a football tackle, so we'll call that a double leg. You know, we grab both legs and throw the guy down. So you already are a natural as a wrestling coach. And uh, he said, well, okay. So he goes back and goes, what am I going to do tomorrow? I got, I got 10 kids that came out. I got no books I can look at. I got no videos I can watch. I have no coaches that I know of that I can call and say, what the hell do I do? So he made everything up, you know? And then those 10 kids that he taught for a year or two or three coached, they go out and they start programs and they have 10 kids each. So those 10 have 10. So they have now there's 100 wrestlers in New England. And then those 100 go out and they teach 10 each. And then, you, you know, and, and eventually we're where we are today. And when you talk to coaches about the technique that they, they teach, now we have some great technicians out there that with videos and books and so on, you know, they're getting much, much better. But for the most part, you know, you say, uh, coach, what, uh, you know, why do you teach it that way? Well, my coach taught me that. Oh, okay. Uh, coach, where did he learn it? Well, his coach taught him that. Okay. Well, where did he learn it? Well, his coach taught him. And eventually we go back to the 1842 coach. It didn't have a clue what he was doing. And ever since then, we've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And no one's ever questioned it. And the first guy in wrestling to say to, if I, if I would show up at a coach, you know, wrestling would go, Hey coach, have you thought about maybe doing it this way? Who are you to tell me what to do? This is my wrestling room. Well, okay. Just thought maybe you could, you know, cause my coach taught me that. Where did he learn it? And you go back to the guy and they made it all up. You know, if I, you know, I just wrote an article last week and got a lot of reviews on, and put on Facebook. If I ask any coach in America and very few of them get it right. When you're pinning someone, where do you look? Do you look left, right? Do you look down? Do you look up? I cheated. I read the article, but do you want me to answer wrong? Yeah. Most coaches, most coaches are going to say, you want to, you want to look up. Look up because it does. When you look up, it kind of puts your your pressure. chest forward, and you get some chest pressure. But you know that's entirely wrong. You look down. What do you mean you look down, Wade? What's down there? His shoulders. What determines if he's pinned? If his shoulders are on the mat, and have you ever had a referee go, "Hey, Wade, it's the left shoulder. It's up about that much. If you push it down, I'll slap the mat." Okay. Has a referee ever helped you? Nobody's out there except you. You have to look down to see the shoulders. You have to see what if the if you're not hearing one of the shoulders or both of them are up. Which one? I don't know. Why don't you know? Because I'm counting lights by looking up. If you look down, you can see whether you slide in or slide back and put more pressure on the shoulder that's up. That falls under the the category. But you, you know, every you know, almost all my responses were you, you look up. Excuse me, I had to get rid of the phone here. I'm sorry. Uh, so you, you know, you look up. But I, you know, I had to figure it out all, all myself because no one told me any of that. So when I was wrestling, 
I, no one was around to clean up my stuff because they weren't even going to listen to it because they knew it was garbage. And the more I look at it, you know, today, if you would watch Wade wrestle today, you know, bring the videos, which I didn't have any videos back then. They were all photographs, you know, or eight by 10 photos in a, in a box and you go, you know, old time stuff. Uh, you go, well, Wade was supposed to be amazing to watch. Uh, he's just like everybody else today. Well, yeah, I am like everybody else today because I started all this stuff. And so it's kind of like, it is Wade stuff from way back when. It's like if you take today's Corvette and they're really some slick looking cars now and you transported that, teletransported that back to 1972 and put it on the road, everybody would go, oh my God, what's that? In relation to all the cars that were being driven back in 72, developed and designed back then, the Corvette of today would be so back to the future is, you know, it would just be, a, you know, but you see it to Corvette today on the road. No, oh, it's a Corvette. Okay. There's a Porsche. Uh, you know, it's, it's normal place. So my, ex you know, I was the Corvette in 1972 from, from 2022 rest driving the roads back then. Everybody going, Oh my God, what's he doing? Whereas today, what you're seeing is just, it was what I was doing back then. And wrestling has now become a lot more technical. And they're using the, the human body. And I had to keep on, you know, arguing my coaches, you know, coach, why? I, I hear that you're saying to do it this way, but it doesn't make sense. I want to look at the shoulders to see what's up. Why would I look up? You know, why would I go this way? It's so easy to know which way to go if you know human bi biometrics or body motion and the arms and the legs and which way, you know. Right. You know, you sit down and look at it. It was it was simple to me. I, I you know, My mother was a medical doctor, so I, I don't want to say I had any medical training, but I was around enough to to watch the book. I loved artwork. My mother thought I could be a, an artist and do uh, medical uh, drawings for, for books. So I started playing a little bit with artwork and, you know, in the human body. And I started looking at how they, how they, how it moves and how it doesn't move. And, uh, and then I started analyzing that to wrestling. Um, in referee, uh, if you could, for the people who are listening and watching now, I want you to visualize the center circle of the mat being a clock, you know, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, three o'clock, and some person laying on his belly in the center of that inner circle. And his head is pointing at 12 o'clock. That means his feet are at six. If I reach out with my right arm, it's I'm pointing at three o'clock. Left arm will take me to nine. Now, no matter which way I lay on that mat, whether I'm in that center circle or anywhere on the mat, my head, the bottom guy, his head always points at 12. His feet always points at six, period. Now, let's go back to the center circle. If he's on referee's position, hands and knees, and... No, second thought. He's laying on his belly in a center circle. His left arm is, is good from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock. His left arm is responsible for three hours on the clock. Anything that happens between 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock, his left arm is responsible for. His right arm from 12 to 3. Right leg, 3 to 6. Left leg, 6 to 9. So you have all 12 hours covered on the clock. Four hours on the clock, 12, 3, 6, and 9, you have two appendages. 12 o'clock, left hand, right hand. 3 o'clock, right hand, right leg. 
Nine o'clock, left leg, left hand. Six o'clock, left leg, right leg. So when you're, when you're working, now once you get that visual, now if I reach over like on a cross face and I get his uh, left arm and I get him at the elbow and I pull the arm in, I'm, I'm pulled in his left arm and that's between that, that controls between nine and 12. Where do I, what direction do I run into him? What do I drive him over? Everybody in wrestling says drive at nine o'clock. Well, he puts his left leg out there. He says, because his left leg goes out at nine o'clock. You can drive all you want. He's not going to roll over. You're not going to break him down. Now, if you took him at 12 o'clock, I got the left arm. That's 12 o'clock. Why can't I knock him at 12 o'clock? Because I don't have control of his right hand. His right arm is good for 12 o'clock too. You always go halfway between the hours you have controlled. You have nine, you have the left arm. So you got nine to 12 control halfway between the two. If you drive at 1030, he's falling over whether he likes it or not. He can't put his left leg out there. He can't get his right hand over there at 1030. He's going over. So if I would, if I grab his left, if I reach that cross face and grab his ankle, so I have his left ankle and left arm, what time do I drive him at? I have six hours controlled. I got 12 to six to 12 control because I got his left arm, left leg. So I drive at nine. Halfway between six and 12 is nine. So, you know, that's, that's if I'm riding opposite side, I always ride opposite side. Um, so would this so, be the first thing, just to back up one second, th this would be the first thing you show a wrestler, like you said, not stance in motion. You start off talking about how to pin the guy. This would be the first thing. Well, let me finish this. And yes, that is, I'm, yeah, I'm leading, going to that and I may forget it. So I need you to bring me back to that. Go ahead. Um, so once I start to know which way I'm, I'm driving the guy down, depending on what I have a hold of him here, the same thing is true when I have a half Nelson on him. What time do you drive at? You put a you put your left hand in on a left hand half Nelson. The coach, the team, the fans are screaming, roll, pin him, roll over. Roll him over is the key words that are wrong. If you, you know, he's like a log. If you roll him over and you're on his left side, you would be rolling him over at three o'clock. Okay. Well, he has two appendages over there that says, no, I'm not rolling. He'll put his right arm over at, 12, at three o'clock or he'll put his left right leg out at three o'clock and you can't roll him over. Now, they'll put a half Nelson. They'll reach over and get a one-on-one -on, -one on the far, on the other arm. That's typical of a half Nelson, half Nelson, far side, one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I've got his left arm. Roll him over. No, because you're rolling him over. You'd roll him at three o'clock. He's, he's going to put his right leg out there. You'll run him in a circle for the next two minutes until the buzzer goes off. Then his coach goes, oh, you were so close. Keep trying. Yes. Coach, you're an idiot. No. You have his far right arm and a half Nelson. His right arm is responsible for 12 to 3, halfway between 12 and 3, 130. You drive at 130, not at 3 o'clock. You'll never get the guy over at 3 o'clock. But, the, you know, roll him over. They visualize rolling the guy over because the words roll them over and they always go at three o'clock or if they're on the air side, they go at nine and it never works. So that becomes a problem. You have to understand the sport and uh, what you see. 
Now you had you wanted me to come back to a question which I've already forgotten, which comes with being in my seventies now. But okay, God help me. No, you, were, no, you were going there just basically when starting a kid rather than stance, motion, penetration step. That's where I guess it all started from here. We we're talking about being being willing to disrupt or question the status quo. Those guys back in eighteen forty two. They, they didn't necessarily have a philosophy or science behind it. They just did it that way. So we just kind of follow that as if it were handed to us from on high. And that's not always the way to do it. And then a guy like you comes along, challenges the status quo, finds maybe some more efficient ways of doing things. And then, hey, now a lot of people are doing that, but they weren't doing it before back when you came out. So that's where we go back full circle to the question of how should a kid understand the sport? What are the first things they should do? Traditional wisdom says or custom shows us stance motion penetration step and you're saying instead we start maybe on top bottom with the clock to look at how to pin them well there's there's an order of instruction and if we're teaching takedowns i'll start at takedowns you learn stance elbows in hands you know halfway between your feet your knees and your head you know feet shoulder width apart okay great do it again they get in stance, stop, blow the whistle, do it again. Great. Now let me teach you motion. So stance, then we pitter-patter back and forth, motion. Great job, stop. Okay, now we need level change because we're going to attack, say, a legs. So stance, motion, level change, come back up. All right, do that again. Ready? Stance, motion, level change. Great. Now we're spending, let's say, five seconds on each one of the drills. So five on the stance, five on the motion, five on the level change. Okay, now we need penetration. So we talk about stance, motion, level change, penetration, which is a drop step into your opponent. And they're doing it by themselves, just drop stepping across the mat. Good job. All right, now, then we have the finish up. We're, say, we're in on a high crotch. We change off and drive them down. So stance, motion, level change, penetration. Finish up. Good job. We got that high crotch down. Now, how much time do we spend on stance? Five seconds, right? You said five seconds on each? Oh, the whole time you did stance because stance was without, it was the first step in the full, right? You spent 25 seconds on stance because there were five phases. You spent 20 seconds on motion, 15 cents, seconds on level change, 10 seconds on penetration, five seconds on the finish up. Where are you best now? Stance. Where are you the sh The finish. What's the most important part of the takedown? The finish. <laughs> you got to <laughs> coach. Right. So when you're teaching takedowns, you start in, if it's a high crotch, in with the leg control and ready, blow the whistle, change off, knock him down. Good job. Now, teach penetration, finish up. Then you teach level change, penetration, finish up. Then you teach motion, level change, penetration, finish up. And then stance. You've had five seconds on stance, 25 on finish up. As you get in on your takedown, you're getting stronger and more confident on your finish up and you're getting better at it instead of weaker. Now, if you do 
which I think is the right way to do it. When I say, ready, go on drop step, finish up. You one continual motion. And then level change, penetration, finish up, one continual motion. If you do it the other way, stance, stop. Stance, motion, stop. I'm teaching you to stop three times during that takedown in my drills. So then you're going to go, oh, yeah, I now I know where he's going with this. How many times have you heard a coach go, Johnny, get over here. How many times do I have to tell you, you can't stop in the middle of the damn attack. Once you start in, you've got to finish it. You can't stop. Well, coach, hey, yo, idiot, you taught him to stop three times or four times during that takedown when you drilled him every day. You taught him to stop. And now you're yelling at him for stopping? If you do it the other way, there's no stoppage. It's continual motion the whole way. So you teach backwards, which is not backwards. What we're teaching is backwards. You know, the right way is the five, four, three, two, one, not one, two, three, four, five. I was trying to tell my coach that when I was in high school, and he goes, no, you're wrong. Why? Well, the coach back in the 1842 told me that, you know, I was going, coach, you can't explain it to me. You're, you're, this, this doesn't make, I had the clock back then. I was going, why am I going at three o'clock when I need to go at 1030? I don't understand. And back when I wrestled, you had to pick up an ankle, reach back, get tight, you know, near side, tight waist, pick up an ankle and ride the hell out of it. And you could drop him down, sit on it, you know, and there was very little stalling back then, you know, called uh, like today, you know, you got just there counting when you grab his ankle and you could, you know, you could live on the guy's ankle back in the day. I said, why do I want to go back there? He said, well, that's the way I taught you. Well, where did you learn it? Well, my coach taught me that. Well, where did he learn it? I said, where the strength of the human body, where, what part of his body is the strongest? His neck, his shoulders, his arms, his biceps, his buttocks, his thighs? The answer is his buttocks and his thighs. The midsection, the core of the human body is the strongest part. Hey, coach, have you looked at me in the shower recently? I'm not a farm kid. I got scrawny arms. You want my scrawny arms to go grab his big, thick thighs and try to hang on to them. What, are you brain damaged? That doesn't make sense to me at all. I want to be up on top of his damn head where he breathes the brain thinking, Oxygen, blood flow. I want to shut that down. I want to get up there where he's weak. So I want to ride up. I'd get a near side one on one. I'd be up you know, hanging on the back of his head, you know, and trying to drive the front end down. I get back on his legs. No, that makes no sense, coach. And then you get into, I told you to do that. I'm your coach. You know, but no. I can make him quit up here. I can't I can't compete with his buttocks and his thighs. Not with these arms. Anyhow, so you're changing the philosophy and knowing what, what your strengths, what your weaknesses are. Now, in the order of things, um, I think every kid, every coach, and I, I will argue to a blue in the face, you start teaching your kids wrestling on how to pin. And you start with the same that did that stance motion, level change, penetration, finish up. You start with the guy on his back with the cradle on him or the half Nelson or the bar arm and make him 
and you teach him, the kid how to hold him on his back from that position. Ready? 10 seconds, go. And he has to reposition himself on top to try to pin the guy. Whether he does or not, I don't care. But that's what he's learning. And then I put him on his side with a half Nelson. I have a half Nelson. He's laying on the side, not on his back. Ready? Go. And then you have to drive him over and hold him on his back and try to pin him. And then I have him go to the belly, put the half Nelson on. Ready? Drive over, hold him down. So we're, we have three phases there, and we're going. So we're constantly going. There's no stoppage either. You know, it's it's three, four, five. Drive, drive him over, put him on his back. And then I put him in a say a high crotch position, where I'm in. I, I'm backs up, and I got my high crotch on. Okay, we're going to change off to a double, drive him down. On the way down, on the way down, on the way down, not when he hits his belly, we're putting a half Nelson on him. And then you're going to drive him over, and you're going to pin him. And then we do penetration, change off, jump is on his head, pin him. Then we do level change, penetration, finish up, pin. Stance, blah, blah, blah. So we're backing up. So instead of teaching five positions, stance, motion, level change, penetration, finish up, we're teaching, if you do those five things right, you get two points. Take that. Oh, sorry, today, three points. Sorry, I'm living in the past. Okay, and the rules committees, they have no clue what they're doing. Uh, but anyhow, if you do five things right, you get two points. If I throw in a sixth thing, stance, motion, level change, penetration, finish up, half, you get five points. Or six. Now. So if you if I teach you five things and you get three points, if I teach you one more thing, you double that. Why wouldn't you learn a sixth thing? So, you know, I'm trying and, and when you do that sixth thing, you have an opportunity to terminate the match where you might have got your kicked. The time is now to take your mindset to the next level with wrestling mindset. Make sure you go to our website, WrestlingMindset.com, and sign up for your free trial session today. Don't wait any longer. You want the Mental Edge right now. When you sign up for the free trial session, you're also going to get a copy of our free ebook, Building the Predator Mindset. This book has helped thousands of people build confidence, relax under pressure, get motivated, and build mental toughness in wrestling, school, and life. Make sure you sign up for your free trial session today. On this kid, but you happen to catch him. One, that's the other thing they said about me. He's a garbage wrestler, and he catches. He's he, he, he can't beat anybody, but he catches a lot of people. You know, so that diminishes what I was doing. So I'm, you know, okay, fine, I catch a lot. Did I, did I get my hand raised? Was I smiling when it happened? Okay, so you start with pinning, and you work your way back. You never start with stance. Because you you because what if you ask the coach what, what show me your your teaching what you're going to teach this week next week your synopsis your paperwork you know he's planning on stance motion level change penetration on a single leg duck under whatever fireman's care whatever his favorite was and whatever his favorite you know if you have a heavyweight wrestling coach unless he's really intelligent he's not going to be very successful because he's going to teach a fat man roll on the bottom. You know, and how to belly bounce on the front top. You know, reco a little bit. He's not going to teach a single leg, double leg, fireman's carries up under because he never did that. 
He's not going to teach a switch. He's going to teach a side roll because that's what he was good at. Well, only maybe 25, 30, 40% of the team are going to be good at a side roll. You know, so he's teaching kids to lose. He's, he's not broad-minded in, you know, I have to divide the team up. What are they good at? What are they not good at? You know, and, and I have to spec, I have to, I don't need you to sit down and if you have 32 kids, have 32 uh, lesson plans, one for Johnny, one for Bob, one for Dave, one for Adam, one for Susan, but you can at least split them up into two, tall and short. Now there are more, you can break that down if you really want to get technical, but you know, at least coach, at least split them up to tall and short and then teach tall stuff and short stuff. Um, Stand-ups on the bottom. Short guys, they only have that far to go to stand up. And they're strong and powerful. They can explode like a stick of dynamite. And they're on their feet. Cutting through and they're, you know, teach them stand-ups. Yeah. The tall guy, he can't ever get up. You know, so he's got to learn high turn-ins, short sit-outs, push back, cut through. But not a stand-up. He'll never get up. Never. And they'll try and they'll get struggled. So you, you, you pick out what's going to be good for Johnny and Susie and Barb and Dave and uh, teach with it. Um, so there's a little bit about half Nelson's in the order, the structure of things. and But all the the outline the coaches have, when they'll stance motion, you know, and you know, are you going to plan on teaching pinning? Oh, yeah, absolutely going to teach pinning. End of the season. When did you teach pinning? Um, I never got to it. Why? They couldn't get the stance and the motion and the takedowns. I mean, I, they, you know, if you can't take somebody down, you're not going to pin them. You know, you, you've got to be good on your feet or you're not winning wrestling matches. You're granted your right, coach. But you wanted to get the pinning, but you never did. And it, I understand why. But you should have started with pinning and then went back to your takedowns. Because, you know, they may only get one. If you're really good on your feet and I'm only average on my feet, you can take me down four times. Okay. So now you're up 12 to five or whatever, four or whatever that is. And if I get my takedown once, the match could end. And you could be ahead because I know number five position after the, there's number six position, the half Nelson. So you can win a lot of matches. You know, wow, he was lucky he caught the kid. I'd rather be lucky than good. Uh, you know, you know, I was lucky a lot. You know, and that was, you know, but I would analyze the body and what I should be learning and what direction I should be driving to take a guy over to knock him down. Uh, then I analyze, you know, I, I see so much. I'm going to do one more tape before I die, videotape. And I want to do counters to great moves. I mean, you know, just all counters. It, I don't know if I could do this justice on you know, video here. A high crotch. It's so easy to stop. I don't stop the shot. I want you in on the high crotch. As you come in on the high crotch, you're going to take your, if you're going to lead with your right hand, you're going to come in on my right leg and then change off to a double and drive me across. So that right hand goes in really deep around my right leg. All I have to do with my right hand is I reach down behind me and I grab your right wrist with my right hand. The hand, the first, your lead hand goes in around my leg. That's the hand I want. And I reach down from behind. It's like I'm pulling my wallet out of my back right pocket. I reach down past my right pocket and grab his wrist. 
it's over. You're done. That's all I have to do is get a wrist. You can't change off to a double. Would they crack you back? Crack down, maybe? And then what I do is sprawl. And I, now I want to circle right. counterclockwise to my left. Right. And it puts you flat on your back. And you are, your head is caught here like this. And it's so simple. I mean, it's, it, it, I'm sorry. It, it, you and I might be able, I can visualize it because I've done it. I can, I, can, I can see it. If you have, if, you, if I'm in on your leg and you grab my wrist and I can't, I can't, I can, I can only go to a crack back. I can't go this way. Right. I, and that's the way I want you to go. I want to take you that way. So I'm going to put my left hand down on the mat and just slowly do a circle. And you, you end up, and you're getting cut off like this with my arm and your, my body and my arms cutting you off this way. She can't breathe. Oh, it, it's, it, there's, but people, when they get in a high course, they panic and they don't control the guy's hands. So the guy can change off and knock you down. Let's do another one. Do another fun one like that. If he if he's in on a high crotch, okay. How much you can see here? Okay, I got you. He's in on a high crotch. Okay. Okay. He, you know he, he's he's out to my side because when he comes in, he's going to step out to the left with his left leg and then drive across to my right. 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 So when he comes in on a high crotch, okay. And if I miss the if I miss grabbing his wrist and he's able to change off, you know, as soon as he changes off, he's driving me that way to drive me down. So as soon as that hand comes across here, I grab it with the other hand. If I can't grab it with the right hand, it comes across, I grab it with this hand. Boom. Okay. Okay, so my left hand. Got it. Okay. Now he's over here on my right side going to drive me to my left right so if you look at the points all this stuff entertain people <laughs> i'm visualizing it i'm i'm with you All right. Okay. These are, these are my shoes on the mat. Right. Gotcha. The ones with X's are my opponent. Right. So when he's ready to change off and he changes off, he's going to drive me. Right. That direction. Right. So now I'll come back to that. If you're standing a square stance to me, stand up straight like an attention. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can if you want to. Now, if I push into you, boom, here, yeah. you fall backwards. If I would push you left, forget the high crotch and all that stuff. Okay. If I would push you left or right because your feet are here, you, I'd have a hard time pushing you. If you had a lead leg, sugar foot, and one foot was in front, if I pushed into you, I couldn't push you back because you have your back leg defend, you know, pushing back. But I could push you left or right. So no matter where the feet are, if my feet are square, if I have a square stance, I can be forced backwards because I have nothing, I have no post back there. Right. If I go lead leg, you can't push me back, but you make you can push me left or right because I don't have anything to the left or right. right. So 
when we're back to this, we're in a straight line here. So which way, if I'm going to push him, which way would he fall over? That way or that way? But I couldn't push into him that way. My foot, his, my foot, his foot, his foot. I couldn't push him that way, but I can push him this way or that way. Right. You agree? I think I got it. So the only way when you're in this position, what happens in a high crotch, a guy changes off. I'm trying to push back into him to stop him from pushing me over. So I'm trying to counter what he's doing. He's pushing me left. I'm trying to push him right to counteract this push. But if I would take him forward or backwards, he has no, no support points if I'm going to take him up here or down here. Okay. Now, since he has a foot up, if I have a choice of going backwards, it's, it's really awkward to go backwards. I mean, right. I, I'm just going to do a forward roll in, in, the, in the big picture here. He changes off. Right. He changes off. Right. I grab his wrist. Rest. I'm going to reach over and just put my hand on his on his on his knee on his thigh. Gotcha. And do a forward roll. Right. I'm going to take him toward my front. Right. He has no post out there whatsoever. And you you do a forward roll, and when I come out of the forward roll, you're on your back. And I'm on top of you with a half Nelson. It's 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 so simple that uh, uh, I mean it, I mean when you see it you go oh my god what was that? It was you know that's that's ABC of wrestling. It's so simple. But it uh, starts with it starts with knowing what's holding him up, like what direction can yes. he go, and that's yes. what we're not used to thinking about. We think in terms of moves. Not in terms of which direction can he go. Do I have that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. How do we train that into them? It's 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 not hard to train it. You just, you know, you change your change the language, change your philosophy. You know, once you understand the clock, you know, and, and where the posts are, you know, because most of your wrestlers will take a po take their volunteer, they'll they'll take their post away from a certain position. You just gotta figure out which if you have a table and you cut, take a saw and you cut one of the legs off a table, the table will not fall. You put any weight over that one corner where the leg isn't, the table will fall. So what you have to do is just say, okay, I have two hands, two legs. I got four legs of a table. If I'm standing up, I'm, one, I'm a two-legged table. If I'm referees, I've got a four-legged table. Really six, I got my knees and my shoes down. But... Once you realize, you know, okay, when you're going on a high crotch and you change off, you have all four legs, you know, one, two, three, four in a straight line because you're driving across him. Okay. So when he, as soon as he starts to change off, he's vulnerable falling to his left or to his right because he has no support points out there. He's good going this way, but he's not good going this way. So I want to make him go the way that he's not designed not to work. If a guy has a sugar foot, pushing into him doesn't do you damn very good. Moving him left or right does. If he has a square stance, pushing back or pulling forward. Taking him left or right with a square stance, you, you can't move him. Because his, his, his points are out to the left and right. You can't take him that way or this way because the points. You have him this way, you can take him left or right. So 
Oh, so you're saying even in general, if you're side, you look at the guy, you see he's got a square stance, that's going to impact what you're looking to, how you're going to break his balance. Versus yeah. if he comes at you with a stagger stance, that's going to impact how you make contact and how you look to break his balance. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, because, you know, kids are really good at ad- adapting, adjusting. You know, once I start taking them this way, they'll put a, they'll put a hand out as a post if they have to, they're falling over. You know, they, they learned, you know, when you fall forward when you're a little kid, you know, when you're really young, six months, eight months old, you fall forward. No one told you to put your hands out. <laughs> you know, you got a bloody nose because he fell flat in his face. And after one year of age and two bloody noses, you know, when you're falling forward, you put your hands in front of you, dummy, you know, or turn your head when you're coming down. You learn that. You learn those things. And uh, wrestling is the same thing. It's pretty easy to figure out. But what I try to do is eliminate my athletes who I'm coaching from getting bloody noses. <laughs> I know they're going to fall. So before you fall, let's let's practice. Let's get down on our knees and fall forward and don't put your hands out. Boom. Is that fun? No. Here's my, you know, I would teach them how to fall and put their hands out in front of them. You know, because so when they do fall, when they're eight months old, they <laughs> At least, at least they know to turn their head because it's never fun <laughs> smacking your nose flat. Um, and it, it, wrestling is not that difficult, but the most important thing for parents and coaches today is have an open mind to be willing to change some of the God-given you know, rules of the road that really was made by a football coach who didn't know a damn thing about wrestling in 1842. Because right. so much of that today is what we wrestle with. Right. No, it makes sense. And now it, when you talk about training the kid to their body type, the taller guys, the shorter guys, right? Um, would you do that right away with the kid? I mean, I could hear a lot of coaches and even inside I'm thinking, well, what if a kid grows? The kid could start off as a shorter guy and then move to be a taller guy. You know, yes. And this really, and I, I, I appreciate it and I am frustrated by it. I appreciate coaches being creative and thinking, well, what about this? Okay. But I get frustrated by coaches always saying, I don't like it. Or what about? When I'm teaching, when I write my articles and so on, um, I'm taking wrestling, which I believe sucks. Now, we're winning in, in worlds and things like that, but we could be dominating. But, but our high-end people are high-end, and I don't need to fix them at all. They're, they're already high-end. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. Um, and I have no idea where I was going with that. What was I talking about just before that? Um, just, just in general about – oh, man, now, now you made me lose it too. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were saying about how – oh, oh okay. What about if the kid grows? And you were saying oh, – yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. Coaches are really good at trying to figure out how to beat you with the technique. You know, they analyze, they sub, you know, we got this team this week. We got to learn how to stop their inside switch or their cradles or you take risk of finger control. Okay. Uh, maybe come back to that hand control versus finger control. We'll come back to that later. And coaches uh, always, you know, what, would I, what if this happens? When I write and I say, this is what we need to do for the rules committee or I beat people up verbally or, you know, written is they want them to start thinking out of the box wrestling. I think today I'm making this number up is at a 
it's failing miserably in its test to survive in America as a, a competitive sport that, that fans want to pay money to go see, like the NFL, NBA, you know, Major League Baseball, so soccer, you know, wrestling. USA Wrestling Nationals took place two weeks ago, was it? Something like that. And the wrestlers you know, were in Dallas. Nice to have wrestling. There's no wrestling fans in Dallas. Uh, but that's beside the point. Uh, the wrestlers outnumbered the fans. At the national championships, the wrestlers outnumbered the fans at the national championships. And we think we're okay. We're doing well. Like we are. Are you paying attention here? No, no, no. Wrestling's fine. Look what we're doing for the youth of America. Well, look how much we could be doing for the youth of America. You know, we're not on TV. Well, yes, we are with the NCAs every year. You know, well, okay, one time a year. You know, because some ESPN does do a couple things every now and then, but nothing. They should have a match every Friday night or Saturday night, all season long, Penn State, Iowa, you know, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, whatever. You know, uh, the uh, Wyoming Seminary in Pennsylvania versus uh, Cleveland St. Ed's, or I don't know who the other teams are that are good. I don't know what Wyoming is, or Blair Academy. You know, they should have those matches, but they don't. And we think we're doing well, and we're getting – we're about to get, get clobbered with this NIL money. You know, what's going on? Where the, where's the athletic director getting this money from? They're going to start dropping non-revenue sports. And the ones they're going to drop are the ones that spend the most money. And wrestling is up there in, as a, as a well-expending uh, well non-revenue sport. And we don't, we don't have one program in America making money. Penn State and Iowa lose, lose money every year, even with the number of fans that they have. Now, because they're spending out a lot of money, too. That's why they're number one and number two, basically. Um, uh, so we have we have trouble there. So the coaches are, again, uh, teaching. I got off topic again. We were going to go back and talk about. I thought we are talking about when the kid grows. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So I think we're at 42%. You know, what I propose in my rule changes and what I want to see happen, I'm going to get their sport to 80%. Okay. Now, all the coaches I run across go, ah, yeah, well, wait, what about this? And they're pointing out the 20% that I haven't fixed. And I go, yeah, I, I, I can only get you to 80. I, maybe I'm not smart enough, good enough, whatever. And maybe I need creative people like you to come up with that extra 10%, 15, 20%. But I'm taking you from a 40 to an 80, and you're giving me shit. What's wrong with that picture? You are... You walk into a classroom, the teacher says you're allowed to cheat. Cheating is allowed in this classroom. We're taking a test today. Wade's going to get an 80, and you're going to get a 40. And you're allowed to look at my paper, and you're not going to get yelled at. Well, no, I'm going to, I'd rather have a 40. What are you, an idiot? Look at my paper. At least cheat. You're going to get a passing grade. I can get wrestling up to a passing grade. But I get too many coaches going, I, I don't like it. I want to punch anybody who says that in the nose. I hate it when they say, well, I don't like it. Okay, you don't like it, why? Well, I, I just don't like it. Then if you can't say, you can't answer the question why, you're not allowed to say, I don't like it. Because you're an idiot. If you don't know why you don't like it, you, I know why you don't like it, because someone else came up with it besides you. You know, so uh, shut up. Your, your opinion doesn't count. Now, I don't like it because, and you give me a because, okay, we can talk about the becauses. Tries to be crazy. I don't like it. And you know, you know, and coaches. Now they, it, 
in their defense, they've been trained to try to, okay, this move works this way. Okay, um, if I do this, I can counter it. So they're always thinking in their head, how do I beat this move? How do I beat the, my opponent? How do I beat the other team? How do I make it successful? So they're always going through that in their head, and that's their mentality. And, and God bless them. That, that's a super mentality to have as a coach, but not as a leader, not as the rules committee. The rules committee are made up of these coaches. That's like having the, the fox in charge of the hen house, and they got the keys of the hen house. They're going to make rules that benefit them, not the sport. And they'll, no, this is good for the sport. No, it's good for you. Or you don't have a clue what it's good for. You have the wrong mentality. If you are a salesman, you should be on the road selling the product that the company manufactures. You shouldn't have any say on how the, how the process, how the product is manufactured. Once I manufacture, I give you these, this product, go sell it. Salesmen should not be in administration, CEO, CFO, CIO. You put a salesman in charge of the CFO finances, you'll go bankrupt in, in a day. But we have our rules committee guys in the CFO position, the CIO, CAO, or the CFO position, and they have no business being there because that's not their skill set. There's nothing wrong with the coaches. That's just not their skill set. But somehow we put them in charge, and they're making rules and regulations that have nothing. How many, how many high schools and how many colleges have um, – Concession stands open during the dual meets. Not many. Why aren't you taking care of your fans? They're, they're your paying public. You know, are you know, and they have and they decide they open one men's room, one woman's room, bathroom because they don't want to clean everything after the match, and so the ladies and the guys have to walk further to go to the bathroom. What? Gee, we're we're making it really special for the our our, our fans, our paying guests to come in. We're going to, we're doing some really nice things for them, and and I wonder why they didn't come back. You can't take anybody off the street, and have them come into the, in a wrestling room, a wrestling match, and not elbow the guy next to him who he doesn't know or she doesn't know, and say, "What's that about? What's the ref saying? You know, this or this or this." I mean, our rules are. I mean, we our rule book should be ten pages long, not a hundred. Nobody knows what's going on. If you were, when you watch Jeopardy at night with your spouse or a friend, I can get at least 50% of all questions on Jeopardy, right? No, I'm not smart. I'm pretty good, but, you know. But I, I, if Jeopardy made the question so freaking hard, how many buttons were on Napoleon's jet vest when he had his hand in his, on that photograph? I don't know, and who gives a shit? You know, if I can't answer the questions, you're going to make me feel stupid. And when you make me feel stupid, I'm going to stop watching Jeopardy because you're making me feel stupid. You know, in wrestling, we purposely make all of our new attendees feel stupid because the questions are so tough. The rules are so difficult and so varied on why did the referee start counting? Why did he not count? Why, what's he talking about now? We make our fans feel stupid. And we, and hey, do you want to come back? And I can't get a Coke? And I have to walk an extra 50 yards to go to the bathroom? Uh, no. 
in wrestling, our problem in wrestling is our food sucks. We're a restaurant developer owner. You could have brand new carpet. You could have linen on the tables. You could have silverware and crystal. You could have free uh, parking. You can, you know, paint the walls. But if the food sucks, nobody's coming. You can find a shit, I'm sorry, I'm going to swear, a shit shack in the middle of nowhere with great food. And the line is down the block and around the corner, wait, people waiting to get a burger or whatever they're selling because they got great food. But the ambience is, I mean, it's terrible. Old dogs laying around, you know, but you have to step over dogs and rats and cats and who cares? The food's great. We, in wrestling, we want to put new linen down and put new carpet. We have to paint the walls and wonder why people don't show up. Fix the food. Make, the, make it enjoyable. I want matches to be 14 to 12, not 2-1, two, 3-2. There's no reason why it can't be 14-3. But you have to incentivize action. And it's not hard to do. Just nobody wants to do it. Well, no, you, you have two good kids out there. It's going to be a two-to-one match. No, it's not. You know, it's going to be, it'll be a Donnybrook if you, if you coach it properly to use the angles and, the, you know, five, four, three, two, one, not two, one, two, three, five, you know. And, um, you know, if I was king for a day, just for a day, and I'm only allowed to change one rule in wrestling, just one, just one. I have 25 I'd like to change, but just one. It would be a point earned is a point scored. Every sport in America, except wrestling. Every sport in America, let me repeat that. Every sport in America, except one, wrestling, does it this way. You score a basket. Two. Two points go up on the scoreboard for your team. You score a touchdown. Six points go up on the scoreboard for your team. You score a tennis, an ace. I get 15 love. Every, I hit a grand slam. My team gets four points. In wrestling, I can score, outscore you 14 to two. And, the, and now they allow me to have three points for that. Or no, it's four points now. You know, I lose eight or nine points because that's not the way we do it. And people that come for the first time scratch their head. Huh? What? It should be. If you earned it, your team gets it. You lose eight to four. My team gets four. The other team gets eight. That's what everyone's used to. No, wrestling has to be socialistic. Win by one point, you get three team points. Win by seven points, you get three team points. Yeah. Why do I want to go to seven when I can do it win by one? Right. Because I have to open up a little more to go seven points. I have to risk a little bit. So why am I risking when I don't have to? All I give a shit about is getting my hand raised. One point, 12 points, 28 point difference. Hand in the air. But if a point earned is a point scored, coaches are going ape shit on the sideline. Take him down again. 
put him on his back, damn it. Let him go. Take him down. Come on. I need more points. Because for every point that my athlete scores, I get up on the board. Coaches are not screaming at their athletes to wrestle. They're screaming, down block, play the edge, take half shots when you're up by a point. Just run the clock out. The third period, if it's five to one, everyone's going to the bathroom, going to Coke. They're talking among themselves about what they're going to do after the, after the match because nothing's going to happen for the next two minutes. <coughs> the guy is down by five, is has already laid down and quit. The guy's, you know. Good point. And, and there's no incentive for the top guy to turn him over. Good point. What, what do you make a pin worth then? All right. Now, defaults, disqualifications, and pins are different. Forfeits? Or forfeits. 15 points, because that's what you can get. You know, you can, a 15 point difference, you have a tech fall. You're winning 20 to five, match ends. Team, one team gets 20 points, the other team gets five. He's earned 20. He's created action. That's why the NBA went to three point uh, arc outside the three point shot instead of two point. Incentivized to take those, because I, I yawn when I watch a layup, unless it's a boom slam, you know. But if you can shoot a three pointer from half court, oh, that was great. You know, I as a fan like that. So make it more points so I can incentivize the athletes to start learning to shoot three-pointers instead of two-pointers. So you can please me as a fan who who's paying the money to come back next week and watch the game again. We don't incentivize in wrestling. It's, it's socialistic. So the answer to your question, 15 points. If, if I'm winning eight to two and I pin you, Eight plus 15 is 23. I get 23, you get two. You get the you know 15 point separation there. Now the pin really means something. Oh shit. There's gonna be half Nelson's headlocks, cradles all over the place. Because if there's and, a pin, you would get there's no points, you just get 15 straight up. Right? So well, there, you're, if you put a guy on his back, you're gonna get at least you know count before the pin. So you might get two point near fall plus a 15. You get 17. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Now they go, ah, I can't do that. I, I can only, I can lose two matches out of 10. Penn State, Penn, Sanderson says that if I get pinned in two weight classes and I win eight, I could lose a duel. Yeah. And, and your point is, Kale? What's your point? Well, that's not fair. Well, it's fair in football, it's fair in basketball. How many points does the uh, tackles, guards, center, defensive halfback, linebackers make? They don't make any points. Quarterback makes almost all of it, you know. So, you know, reward the producer, the producer, the guy's getting pinned. If you can only teach eight kids on your team to win by one or two or three or four points, and you can't teach them pinning, you should probably be replaced as a coach. I mean, you know, I I lost two, one eight, and these guys beat me. But one six foot eleven basketball player in high school surrounded by four average basketball players will have his team in the playoffs and maybe a state title. Uh, a quarterback, great quarterback or a great running back in high school will put his team with an average team in the playoffs. That's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, 
tennis, you play singles and you play doubles. One guy scores two wins on seven, out of seven. They have five matches and, and two doubles. You know, he's, 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 he's doubling his score. You know, why, aren't, why don't we have heroes in wrestling? What, where's our Babe Ruth? Where's our, you know, where's our, uh, just any of the names that are great out of Mark Spitz? You know, the second, well, uh, let me finish the 15 pointer. So you get, now, coaches get right now, they're going to, people are going to, that's crazy, Chalice. Okay, fine, give them 10 points. I don't give a shit. But the idea is reward the producer. If, if you believe in the concept, say, I believe in the concept, Wade. So let's now negotiate how many points they do get. Okay, I'm with you. Now, if it's less than 15, people are just going to rack up points, put a guy on his back, take him back off, put him on his back, take him back off, because he'll get 15 points, you know, for for not pinning. And if you give him eight, he's only going to get eight to pin. So as soon as I lateral drop your headlock, I'm going to let you off your back because I don't want to pin you. So it almost has to be 15, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> and you know, forfeits. Oh my God, if you go to a movie, you pay your 10 bucks to go to see the latest movie and the projectionist cuts 20 minutes out of the middle of the movie. Are you happy? No. Have you got cheated? Yes. Okay. Um, and I know I was I'm going to tie this into something in a second. Um, and that's what we do in wrestling. We, we cheat. Oh, that's a forfeit. That's what we're talking about. And if you pay, if you order a dozen oysters at a restaurant for 25 bucks and you get nine oysters and they still charge you 25, are you, uh-huh, I ordered 12, not nine. I'm paying for 12, not nine. But in wrestling, we feel it's okay to forfeit a weight class or two. These people who have come to the match have paid for 10 oysters, 10 matches, or high school, 13 oysters. But we're only going to give them eight but you're going to pay the same amount. You can't win your spectators coming back, your customers, when you cheat them of what was promised. I would like to see someone take them to court and, you know, over the two that you didn't get. I want I want a dollar twelve back, you know, because you cheated me out of what I was going to see. That's not fair to the consumer. But it's okay because our rules committee doesn't see it that way. No. They won't even think of it that way. They're cheating the customer. Well, what are we going to do? Well, simple. You forfeit a weight class, you lose a duel. We still have a duel. We still have scores individually, but the match is already over before it starts. You forfeit, you lose a duel meet. You can't play with – then unless you play with four players in basketball, you forfeit the game. You can't, you can't play with, with nine people on a football field. You forfeit the game, and they don't even then play the game. Right, and technically, it's more than a dollar twelve that they owe. They owe a dollar twelve times everyone in the building who pay for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the idea. But you know, you're you're cheating the customer. The customer is right all the time. That's why we don't have fans. You know, we have less than five hundred fans per dual meet, on average out of the top 10 teams in America, Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma State, Northwestern, Ohio State, Nebraska, whatever, whoever the top 10 teams are this year, 
and you average up all the fans that come in for all their dual meets, you don't have 500 people. How do you survive with less than 500 paying customers when you have a, a Penn State's budget? You know, I don't know, a million five. I don't know what they spend it, but it sure as hell more than $100,000. You know, we're so deep in the hole, and no one even thinks. I don't think anybody that listened to this video knew that because no one looks at the numbers. I'm not a CFO, but I know enough to look at the numbers. You know, and I know what my customers want, base. So uh, second rule I would add in there would be you're allowed to what call it doubling up. You're allowed to double up three times a year. You may, anybody on your team may wrestle two weight classes in a dual meet. But no more than three times a year. I'll cover the three in a minute. But So you can wrestle on 25. Uh, and then stay out on the mat for 133. Or come off the mat and go back out for 141. Because <laughs> you need a little break. Why not? What's wrong with that? If you were going to watch the Los Angeles Lakers, and you know, you get your kid, your kid all excited for you know watching LeBron James play, and he goes out and he plays for the first two minutes of the two hours. And then they bench him for the rest of the game. Is anybody in the gym happy? No, hell no. They are upset. I paid to come watch LeBron James, and you benched his ass after two minutes. That's what we do in wrestling. Get him off the mat. Get our best athletes off the mat. We don't care for you as customers. We don't give a shit what you think. We don't care that you come. Don't come. Because all the coaches care about is whether they win the dual meet. Win the tournament. They don't care what's, who's in the stands. The more people in the stands, the more more responsibility he has to make sure the bathrooms are open, they're clean, the concession stands are taken care of. They got people, ticket taken, more than two people taking tickets so that flow of people can come in and back out quickly. You know, and the coach doesn't want to have to do any of that. So he doesn't want fans. He just wants to win the dual meet. He just wants to have people at the NCAAs at the end of the year if it's a college level or at the states and high school level. And I can I can see their point of view, but sometimes you got to force uncomfortable things on people. You know, uh, you know. Sometimes you have to clean around your desk when you're you know working during the day of the day or whatever. Um, anyhow, doubling up. Now we're making heroes. And now you have a LeBron James type person in wrestling. When you can beat the third placer in the NCAs in one weight class, go up and beat the NCAA champ in the next weight class and beat his too. Now we're talking about front cover of Sports Illustrated. Do you know in the history of Sports Illustrated, there's only been seven people that had an article in Sports Illustrated for wrestling? I'm one of them. Wow. And we haven't had one in the last 50, 40 years or 30 years in Sports Illustrated. Why is that? Because no one gives a shit about wrestling except us. We've got to start thinking about the sport and stop thinking about me, me, I, I, and what we need to do for the sport. In business, you need to have a CEO, a CFO, a CIO. You take those three people and you pull them out of the corporation and you have a, a boatload of directors. The company fails. There's no leadership. There's no decision-making at the top. There's no, this is where we need to go. You have no marketing guys. Well, how are you going to advertise them? How are you going to sell anything? 
you know, you need to, you know, we understand the corporate structure and why you need each particular. In wrestling, we only have directorships. We have nobody above director making decisions about marketing that, that pertains to everybody in the sport, the sport itself. We have no, nothing with CIO, CFO making decisions, overseeing and have a board of directors that have nothing to do with the company other than they, they get a pretty nice salary on the side and they're not in these, but they're making business decisions. In wrestling, we have the head of USA Wrestling, but he doesn't give a shit about the NCA. We have uh, the, the owner of Win Magazine, but he doesn't care about what Ohio State's doing in wrestling other than to write about it. And that, that's not his responsibility. We have the NWCA and, and the head of that executive director there. His job is to help coordinate what goes on with the coaches. He doesn't have any decision to making about what happens up above. We don't have anybody above the director level overseeing the sport. Football coaches do not tell anybody when they're going to play the football game, at what time, on what field, on what day, or what rules they're going to use. They don't have any say on that. They say, coach, it kickoffs at one o'clock. You're going to be at the Clemson Stadium, you know, for the kickoff. And these are the rules. Have a nice day. Go now, go coach your kids. Our coaches make all those decisions and they don't have a clue what they're doing. They're not professionals in those areas. We have so few marketers in wrestling. I'm probably one of the best ones out there. And I'm not, no one asked my opinion about anything except you now. You know, some, I do some other ones of these too, but uh, we, we need to regroup what we're doing here. And back to the art of uh, uh, making that uh, doubling up. You can only double up three times a year now. And I have to put that in for this reason. I don't want to have, you know, uh, Lee from Iowa go out at 25 and 33 every dual meet because the 33-pounder, why do they need a 33-pounder? What if Lee gets hurt? They don't have a 33-pounder because the 33-pounder has already quit. Why am I working out to sit on the bench and never get to wrestle because Lee's wrestling all my matches for me? So he quits and they don't have one. So when Lee gets hurt, they're forfeiting 25 and 33 now. But if he goes three times a year, the 33-pounder will go, well, okay, I understand why they're moving him up. You know, I'm, I'm not going to wrestle this match. You know, out of the out of the 35 matches we're having this year, I'm going to miss three of them. Okay. But he, he's not really upset because the three that they're moving him up against, he probably was going to lose to anyhow. So it'll probably help his record. And now the coaches, strategy-wise, now the fans are up there going, you know, there's no strategy for the fans. They just have to watch the wrestling. What's Kale going to do? God, is he going to put RBY out there in the next weight class and use one of his three? Wait a minute. They're down right now by 12 points. They may need to do that, but he still has Iowa, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and, uh, and Wisconsin on the schedule, and he may need RBY for one of those. I can't put him out for five times. i got to put him out for three. So what do you think Kale's going to do? Is he going to put him out for this one, or is he going to hold him back? Because he, he has Iowa next weekend. He might need to double him up there. And so the strategy and the fans are involved in that. You put them out, put them out. No, move. Yeah. They, you're getting the fans involved. Right now, we don't want the fans involved at all other than clapping when they have a takedown. There's no strategy involved. That's all the coach's responsibility. Well, they get the fans' responsibility. They're cheering in the stands of football, basketball. They got, you know, the UFC started 25 years ago. They're a multi-billion dollar company using basically wrestling as the backdrop, you know, for the skill sets. And, you know, they've taken off because they had marketing people. They had 
executives. They had intellectuals that knew how to run a business and create a business. We don't have that in wrestling. And we're happy with that. Who's thinking of what's going on out there? I mean, technically, wrestling strategy, the three o'clock, five o'clock position, how to beat a guy here, how to mentally crack a guy for the match. How do, how do we take care of the fans? I'm not good at any of that. I'm not great at any of that. I'm good at all of that, but not great at any of that. But I know what we don't have. I'm smart enough to know what we don't have. And I'm smart enough to say, I'm not the person you want, but I know enough to say, you need to get that guy, whoever that guy is, and get him up to the top. And uh, It's very similar to what you're saying about technique, because what you're doing here is you have to zoom out a little bit and say what is needed versus just go, go, go. Let's do, let's do, let's do, let's do. It's like, take a step back and think what is actually needed. How do you grow the sport? Not just get people in the sport. It's not just a matter of just force, 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 but strategize. Yeah. And uh, why doesn't wrestling have any ties with charitable organizations? Like Wounded Warriors, Tunnels of Tower, um, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Because we have no leadership. Leaders would, would see the benefit of that. And no one wants to do that. Well, why is that important, Wade? Well, when we lost the Olympics in 2013, was it? Is when they voted us out. Oh, shit. We were scrambling. But we had to scramble among ourselves. We didn't have any allies. What's an ally? Wounded Warrior Project. You know, Tunnels of Towers. When you helping them do what they want, when they clear their throat, make a phone call to an athletic director at Slippery Rock when they dropped wrestling, the athletic director goes, oh, shit, I'm talking to the CEO from the Wounded Warrior Foundation. And the Wounded Warrior Foundation CEO is finally saying, you might want to rethink this because, you know, I can make you have a pretty miserable week year, you know, with little publications of what we're doing. Um, why they, this, this, this wrestling is the only team at Slippery Rock that is giving to Tunnels to Towers to help our wounded warriors and, and, it's, and our, our service people who, who lost their lives and they want to drop wrestling. You, you, that hits the news. The athletic director at Slippery Rock goes, uh, maybe I shouldn't drop the sport. You're damn right. When shit hits the fan and we're going to, and stuff's going to hit the fan pretty soon. And we're not doing any of that to, to protect ourselves. What's it take to be a member of, to support Wounded Warriors Association? I, I, I don't know if I could help it all work out, but I know enough that we, to know we need them. We need and to they, be thinking and, like that. Yeah. And they could use us. I mean, Wounded Warrior, Wounded Warrior Project, their, their corporate logo is one. A serviceman carrying another serviceman in a fireman's carry off the battlefield. <laughs> and who who recruits special forces? All of them. They go to wrestlers. They can't get enough wrestlers. I mean, the synergy there is so perfect. But no one's even thought to do that. And we don't have any organizational chart above that could make that happen. You know, uh, I'm not sure the Wounded Warrior Project wanted to spend a whole bunch of time talking to the wrestling coach from Ohio State about just what the, that one sport 
at one institution. It's not Ohio State wrestling. It's just one sport, one institution do to benefit them at the level of how much time and effort they got to put into, you know, saying Ohio State's supporting us. We, we need to make it the sport of wrestling, but we don't have any leadership. I mean, all the, all our leaders, you know, AAU, USA Wrestling, National Wrestling Coaches Association, uh, High School Association, uh, Win Magazine, Amateur Wrestling News, uh, Hall of Fame with Leroy Smith. You know, they're all busy doing their own job, you know, but there's nobody above them. You could take those people that I just mentioned and put them on the board of directors, but you need someone above them going, here's what we need. Here's our overarching view of the sport. This is what we need to do for our fans, our spectators. This is what we need to do to fill the gyms. When we fill the gyms, by the way, coach, are you happy with your $40,000 college job as a head wrestling coach? Would you like me to raise that to 240000 for you? Uh, is that a trick question? No. Would you like two forty? Yeah. Then shut up and do what I tell you. Because I want to fill your gym. When I fill your gym, now you have leverage over the athletic director to give you that two forty because you're bringing an extra million dollars a year because right. of what you did as a coach. And if you don't like that, I'll go someplace else. Someone else will pay me two forty. You know, and you, good luck finding another guy. You know, so you know when you put butts in seats, your salary goes up. And if you can't understand that, coach, let me talk to your wife. I'm sure she'll explain it to you. That's right. And that's, and that's why whether you're coaching or whether you're managing an organization, you have to be looking at the big picture, not just micro level. Not it's yeah. huge. And you can't, you can't come in with a wrestling coach mentality because you're always going to make decisions based on the wrestling coach mentality of W's and L's. And that's not what's good overarching for the sport. And, that's, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle any coach. He's an engineer. I'm not going to the hospital and have him surgically remove my kidneys or my uh, spleen or whatever. Right. You need the right people in the right places doing the right things for the right reasons. Yeah. Now that's and, uh, you know, it, Right now, the, the rules committee is all wrestling coaches, basically. And, and they get together and they're making rules in the three-point takedown rule. You, you know, and you mark my words, at the end of the year, they're going to come back because they've caught some shit over this, the three-point rule. Hey, look what we've done. We increased the total number of points scored in every match by 30%. Really? Congratulations. Because you went from two points to three points, you knew up to 33%, and you only went up 30%. You can't, you know, charge $5 for a hamburger instead of three, and then crow that you brought in more money. Okay, what you've done, yeah, you're going to have more points on the board, not more action, more points on the board. And you're saying, look, I got more points up there, but no more action. Three-point takedown, two-point takedown, same number, same amount of action. But what you have now is you've diminished back points and you've diminished pinning because it's easier to get to a tech fall now than it is to pin. Okay. You know, it's, you know, it, you know, you coaches are going to now, because you've given more points to the takedown, they're going to focus more time on takedowns because it's worth more points. Duh. And that's just human nature. So I'm not yelling at any coach for doing it, coaching that way. I'm yelling at the rules committee for creating that. Make it a three point, make it a seven point takedown. I don't give a shit. 
But if you're going to make a seven point takedown, then near fall should be four or seven points. And if you hold them down for an extra five seconds, it should be 12 points. Make make back points important. You're going to up the points for free takedowns, then you got to up the points for, or you're diminishing the importance of what everyone says. The object of wrestling is to pin. pin. They say those words, but then they the rules say this the opposite, like the politics today. You know, the 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 border is secure. Really, you've been watching TV. These people, Mark. You know, they say one thing and they do another. Uh, we're you know we're we're, we're looking for the better betterment of sport. You got to be consistent, right? And it starts with knowing knowing the ends, like keeping keeping the end in mind. What are what are we actually looking for? No, it's great. It's a lot of great points. Well, it's very apparent that we need to do a part two of all this because there's still a lot more I could ask you. But we haven't, and, we haven't uh, even got into it. No, I know. And, we'll get into it another time. I'm excited. And we got into We did get into quite a bit as well. So, we now, and I have to apologize for any, whoever I've offended, but I get so very passionate. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't necessarily say, but there, there are points I want to make. And, and I usually shortcut the set of giving you 15 words to make a point. I'll cut it down to three and cut and say a bad word or, or you know, offend somebody. But hopefully people got an opportunity to get some, make them go, never thought of it that way. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What I'd like to do at the end, you know, before I die, I'd like to get a point earned point scored through. I mean, if I can get that through, that makes so much difference. I mean, uh, mega difference in sport. And what I, and to do that, what I'd like to do now is, Go out and find, and I know who they are, say 10 of the most influential people in wrestling, money-wise. Okay. Um, who have donated hundreds of thousands and plus that to the sport of wrestling, from Sunkiss Kids owner, you know, to uh, Titan Mercury, not owner, but director. You know, I don't need to name, mention names, but you get the idea to pull in 10 people that when they, if they're working as a group, when they clear their throat, every coach in America will go, oh shit. Gulp. And sit down and go, guys, what do we need to do in wrestling? Forget this, whether we're teaching a half Nelson or cradle or the rules. From a marketing, from a CEO, CFO, board of directors, I need you 10 to be a board of directors for two years to get our, you know, two weekends a year, donate your time and walk up, meet at the Hyatt in Chicago on a weekend and have a closed door and beat the sport up. What do we need to do? And then with your input and your knowledge of boards of directors, of CEOs, of running mega companies, multi-billion dollar companies, and we have a lot of important CEOs out there doing that, that have wrestling backgrounds, we're going to then force this information onto the wrestling community. And they're going to tell Kale Sanderson, you know, and Tommy Brands and John Smith, who are also doing wonderful, wonderful jobs. But there are there are some of our power kings in wrestling as from a coaching perspective. You know, all of you, this is what we're doing. And this is how we're going to go about it from the Wounded Warrior Project. Okay, as an example to, you know, how do we organize this? How do we how do we enhance television coming in and covering us? What do we need to do here? And uh, and whether you like it or not, coach. You know, we can spit in your coffee and spit in your cereal really quick if you're not going, if you're not on board here. 
you're either on board or you're off board. In the, in the, and right now you're on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic. You're either on board or you're swimming for your life. Make a decision because we can make your life miserable. You got a choice of two. And I don't think, I think I know where you're going. And whether they like it or not, yeah, it, hopefully they see the wisdom of it. And if everyone's doing it, then we'll go, okay, everyone's doing it. But we need to bring that those 10 people together and just even for a year and say, here's 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 the playbook, guys. Here's 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 the strategy. Here's what we're gonna do as a team. USA wrestling, I don't care what you'd like to do. I know you're independent and autonomous to your own group, but you're jumping on board, or I'm gonna strangle your butt real quick, you know, from number of spect- I mean uh, memberships in your organization. We can we can we can cause problems with you. You know, or NWCA or Win Magazine, whatever. You know, everyone is on board, and we have to go out and then market ESPN, ABC, CBS Sports. You know, that we you know Friday night rest, dual meet all season long, and make it worth their while to cover. Um, anyhow, so there's a lot of things we can do, and I got some vision for that. Again, I'm only an eighty percenter, but when wrestling's batting at forty percent. You know, you should be paying attention to what Wade has to say. Uh, at least let me, let, let me get you up to 80. And then after that, I'm going to get away and let those wiser and smarter and more experienced than I have run with it. And I'm just going to sit back and grab a Coke and sit in the stands and go, go get him, champ. Oh, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Wade, awesome stuff. Great. And we're, we we got to definitely do a part two on top of all this. But tell everyone where they could find more information from you. What website do we send them to? Social media pages? Well, I just, you know, uh, my Facebook, Wade Chalice, and I, all my articles I have at wadechalice.com. Uh, I, I fit all of them there. I have, that blog has a uh, little over 3 million hits, so it's the most successful blog there is in wrestling. Um, so, you know, that's something to do. Uh, I do, I, I write books too. Uh, this is my first book. My second book comes out next week, the sequel to this, Jacob's Cradle. Uh, this has 28 uh, reviews on Amazon where you buy it at Amazon.com. It's 15 bucks. I'm not going to break the bank. But all 28 reviews, all 28 out of 28 are five star reviews from the heads of USA Wrestling, Win Magazine, uh, NWCA, and so on, as well as fans. It's it's a love affair. There's wrestling involved, CIA, spy versus spy, good guys, bad guys, and they ride off in the sunset, maybe. I'm not sure at the end of the book. And uh, this is Jacob's Cradle. The next one is Charlotte's Gap. comes out next week. And the third one's already outlined. Uh, it's coming out. So that's, this will be this is three, four, number five books I like to write. I do that on my side with a, with a, with a reasonable amount of scotch on the side, class of. And, uh, and let me leave you with a, with a little joke. Why don't horses have psychological problems? Why? Because they were raised in a stable environment. That's right. <laughs> Very good. And with that, the great Wade Chalice. Wade, thank you so much for joining us. Take care. I have a lot of those. See, when I teach the little guys, in 15 minutes of teaching the little guys, they're up and you have to hurt them back like hurting cats. You know, and you back, them, then you tell them another joke like that and they go, and then they tell you a joke and then you go back, you got, them, you got them for another 15 minutes and you lose them and you bring them back, tell them another joke. So you get a lot of those knock-knock jokes. And what? Why do eagles and hawks prefer to land on the roofs of churches. Why? Because they are both birds of prey. Birds of prey. That's it. Hey, we got it. You got an idea for a joke book now as well. Add that to the arsenal. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyhow, 
I'm having fun. I've, I've really enjoyed the sport. I've had a wonderful coaches and great opportunities and wonderful people that have been there when I've fallen over to pick me up, dust me off. And I owe so many people, you know, Bub at Clarion, obviously Neil Turner, the late Neil Turner. He was great. Uh, my high school coaches, and my dear, dear friend who taught me, who started me in wrestling, Gary McCarthy. Uh, without him, I, I don't know where I, I don't know where I'd have been. But, you know, there's been so many people along the way. And I've, I've watched, you know, listen to Kale talk and I've learned things that he doesn't even know that he's taught me. And I, you know, just little things I pick up on on contemporary people today. You know, and I mentioned Kerry Colad being one of the best we've ever had. And uh, there's so many people like that. Uh, uh, Rob Cole is probably one of the best administrators we've had in the sport of wrestling, who's, who, who is now coaching at uh, North Carolina. He left uh, Stanford, uh, went back to his alma mater, and he watched North Carolina will be up on top of the game real, real quick. It'll be a lot of fun to watch what happens there. But uh, God bless everybody. A happy New Year. I Thank you. Take Thank care. You. 